spread one love, okay? Thanks for tuning in to us, the Eminem Show. edition of the Eminem show. I'm Nikki MG and I am here with the one and only Molly. What's good, Molly? What up, dude? <laughs> How you doing today? And we got the one and only Miss J Mills. J, 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 J Mills. That's right, y'all. And uh, we're super excited to be back here with you. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're going to be talking about startup business. All of us here are entrepreneurs at uh, different stages and uh, we're all women and we're all doing different things. So I want to talk about that and get to know y'all a little bit more why you uh, started and are doing what you do and how you did it and what your challenges are. Is that cool with y'all? Cute. Yes, ma'am. All right. Totally. And then we're going to drink, Jamil? You know, we're going to have some drinks. Yeah, have a nip of your whiskey <laughs> we're gonna talk about you said drink and nip and mills <laughs> sorry g words so sorry <laughs> it's getting live already so um great and y'all know the deal we'll be talking about some news some business shout outs later on and we'll be getting <coughs> metaphysical as per usual one yes. of my favorite parts of this show you drinking with me jamie don't let us interrupt you. Keep talking. Well, I didn't want to miss the Cheers. beverage enjoyment. If you're if you're at home or in your office, go ahead and pull out that secret bottle you got in the third drawer because you know you hate your job. And join <laughs> us. Join us for a drink. Yes. Cheers. Let's start off with a drink. We should mm -hmm. make this a show ritual. We Let's should. Start off with drinks, actually. Jay Mills poured me a two and a half ounce shot. Yeah. But I'm, this uh... is my favorite liquor, as you see <laughs> by the brand. It's what I drink all day. Every day, DC is DC is fuck. Oh Jesus, that was a hard F. <laughs> so <laughs> you can't tell my discomfort right now. <laughs> um. Anyway, so yeah. Anyway, how's that feel going down, ladies? Like home, like you home. Know what I'm <laughs> mm -hmm. Reminds me of my childhood. All right, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, so let's get into this. Uh, let's talk about business. Um, Jay Mills. Yo. Miss DC as fuck all day, every day. All day, every day. Hashtag pass the J. Hashtag pass the J. So you're an entrepreneur. I am. And how long have you been an entrepreneur? <laughs> oh, let my mother tell us since elementary school. Since elementary school. So what did you first start off uh, hustling or selling or offering? I've been hustling rocks. Like, no, nah, I was selling candy. <laughs> I mean, which candy? is kind of like crack for kids. You know it right? is. It was kitty crack. It's AKA just as destructive. Candy. Now, were you doing like... You know, selling the I was selling the hard candy, yo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you used to have the box. None of that like... soft, nah. So, what kind of ca what kind of candy? Pixie sticks. Pixie sticks. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did this operation, pixie stick operation, work? As it was person? a steal, because I would, I forget how much a bag of like a hundred pixie sticks were, mm -hmm. 
But selling a pixie stick for 10 cents or 25 cents is quite a profit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because the bag is just a couple dollars. Jamie's flipping 250 on a bag of sticks, (laughs) fourth grade. You that's, know, that's it amazing. was it was crazy. And then I ha- then I expanded from pixie sticks to the dipping sticks. Remember those? <laughs> I love Remember those pop rocks. Basically, Still today, yeah. Basically, prepared people for the cocaine habit that they would you pick know, up. In their I didn't 20s. even think about what I was sticking with, but You're like powdered things will make you feel good. Indulge. Mm, there might be a truth to that. Someone did try to sniff it. I don't know where we got this from. Oh, I mean, wow. doesn't every kid try to sniff? sniff? <laughs> Uh, like, I did think that no. was kind of a universal thing. You didn't know anybody that ever tried to sniff a, pi- a pixie stick. Come on. You didn't have that kid in class that was a total fucking I idiot. I think I did. <laughs> and it might have been me. And I, oh, may have no. blacked, I may have blacked that out until we just brought it up. I just want to put the sugar on my brain. The M&M show bringing out truths oh, shit. since 2017. So you were hustling. And blow pops. So you were hustling blow pops. Uh, delicious Seriously, this is hard like candy. A cocaine road. <laughs> <laughs> blow pops. Oh, I you know. can't make this up. Those this were the great. things. And then crybabies. It's all coming back to me now. Mm-hmm. And I got in trouble. I got caught up in elementary. I got caught up again <laughs> in middle school. And then in middle school, slash, that was, that was when we first realized <laughs> what was going on. Shout out to my friend Sharday. Shout out to Sharday Harris. Shout out to Potomac Landing. Shout out to Eugene Burroughs Middle School. But um, she she had this random liquor store storage because uh, at the school? No, no, in her house. <laughs> okay, I'm like, uh, wait a minute, what's going on? In the janitor's closet, <laughs> It was a business for just a little bit, but it was so cranked out. Oh my gosh, this is horrible. I just have to share it though because I'm thinking about like where did I start this hustle and right, this love like, of. Was having my own business and making money. So this was in a major gray. inspiration. Yeah, man. In your community. It 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 started an interesting thing of just being the party, being being the life of the party and and pushing the line of what is allowed. <laughs> it it was it So was it bad. started off with candy. Yeah, and, and then and then it went to alcohol. <laughs> so you were selling you were We would spike the fruitopias. Okay, okay. <laughs> Shout outs to those fruitopias. They don't even make that anymore. No, no they don't. So then you would, you would be selling the fruitopias. That's what they do in Brooklyn, right? They like make those juices and they just punch them with alcohol. Hell buy, yeah, like, and you buy them on stuff. the street and stuff. Yeah, and you could just like pregame on the so, way to the club. Yep. I love those people. We should um, start doing that here. Hey, man. We're needed. I met a chick, a chick here actually that came through from new jersey who was doing that here at Dude, one i mean oh yeah well, how did i not know you weren't here that day oh, man, i miss all the good stuff that sucks <clears throat> so so you were um selling candy drinks to your peers yes other adults as well or nope 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 that's when it got shut down mm-hmm. adults adults got hip and mm-hmm. um so when it came to <coughs> the music industry and me getting into music when I was 18, I already had this kind of hustler spirit mm-hmm. and this idea of of working for myself. You know, I always was, I've been focused on what I wanted to do, you know, not anyone else's dream. That's so dope. I don't think, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure, I clearly can't speak for all people, but I'm not sure that a lot of people have 
that clarity, that young on that I want to work for me. Um, a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to get my first job at mm-hmm. so-and-so, you know, like I did, store. you know, just to get started. They don't even have the first thought, well, I'm going to go ahead and just start a business. Um, so, uh, you know. Jay Mills, man. Yeah, man. So yes. 80s Baby Jay Productions Mills. established 2005 when I was 20. Um, that's my first business. Uh, after that, uh, my next business would be... So what? Wait, wait, wait! What was Eighties Babies Productions about? Was that party, party business, party planning? Um, it's what my uh, ASCAP business, my publishing company, is under, and it also is what my events that are not charity related and whatnot would fall under. Okay, it's what you know, all my music, my branding things, mm-hmm. they fall under Eighties Baby Productions. Okay, okay. So, um, what would you say were, um? the qualities or the skills that you possess that enabled you to start that and have it grow? Um, it's that, that's a great question because it's, it's one of the things that I guess has given me longevity and allowed my, my brand to continue to grow is um, understanding business, period. And part of understanding business is understanding all the people that are needed to do the business well. And I think that many people make the mistake of either one, not knowing all the different jobs that are needed that need to be done. So they either overwork themselves or they overlook crucial parts of, of what it is. So for an artist, for me going to school for business, going to Howard for marketing, radio, TV um, and film, and then going to Omega to, for Pro Tools Engineering, it it taught me all the different aspects of what it takes to put on a show. Um, I worked at Crampton as one of the um, head engineers there. I was the monitor engineer. I also was front of house engineer for Chapel. So, you know, just doing that and seeing exactly what it takes, mm-hmm. knowing everything from the lighting designers to the stage managers to in building it and working it and knowing how long it actually takes and being on the work side. So I know how much we can BS. I know how long it really takes versus how long it says it'll take. Right. And, um, you know, Mm -hmm. everything engineering, the bit, like there's so much, the writer, you know, so many artists, if they don't know and you let somebody else do it and you don't know anything about light and design or costumes or makeup or stage and you're just like i want to do this i want to do that and they're like yeah 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 and it's time to get paid and you get zero money because your lights cost seventy five thousand dollars a show like you know your costumes and your makeup and this live band and the moving this and all of these different things so you know for me and starting a production company one having these different connections from being you know behind the scenes and now having my own production company to use these different stage folks to put on great shows and use the connections with the venues to not just put myself on, but as many different people as I can on. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. So you got to know how to, who to pick (laughs) all the jobs that need to be done. What I'm hearing uh, in from you, your wisdom is that one you you had an entre- entrepreneurial spirit to start off with. But two, um, with your production company, 
you put the time in to learn each of the different positions or facets of the business before you try to run your own company by yourself. Right. And in that process, you learned the skills and the kind of uh, qualities that other people need in order to make those different pieces work properly yeah they always say you know jack of all trades is the master of none so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for me it was just if i'm if i'm the artist if that's what my my biggest art is you know first figuring out what am i the master of and then learning how to step outside of myself and let the masters work like yeah Mm -hmm. i may know how to do it but that's not my mastery right that's not what i do so I'm going to go ahead and let the videographer do the videos. I'm going to let my engineer mix my projects. But I know how to pick a, a great engineer because mm-hmm. I'm a great engineer. And you know? give them direction, exactly. too, right? And communicate in the appropriate language. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Well Word up. Well said, <laughs> J-Mills. Thank you for sharing that. Um, we're going to come back to you. I want to talk <laughs> a little bit to Molly. Um so Molly, when did you uh when did your entrepreneurial spirit start? Were you hustling um in elementary school? <laughs> yeah, I was selling kids all the drugs and I, no, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> I No, I went to a Catholic kids. elementary school. It was like super super small, but uh you know, I was just thinking about it when Jay was talking. Uh and it was uh 1984. And I really wanted one of those stack radio systems with like a amplifier and a the tape deck <coughs> and a yeah. and a thing. The kind that came behind the glass that you had to push yes. on to open. Yes. Yes. With a double tape deck, so yes. I could get my mixtape jam. Gotta have the double tape. Deck. Absolutely. I was about that radio tape. Life. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But this would give me a CD, like not CD player, but a turntable yeah, and a double player. tape deck and a radio, a radio, you know. Your own system. <clears throat> yes, and it was 250 bucks. Mm-hmm. That was a lot. At Circuit City. I was, yeah, Back it was nine. Then. It was nine. I mean, that's a lot now. Oh, no, it was but... a rack system, and it had these two tall, like, tower speakers, you it know? Was serious. Like, the thing was, like, four feet tall, and the two speakers that came with it were just as big. It was a contraption. And my bedroom was, like, the size of this room, <laughs> you know? Them and it was still painted. work to this day, though. Yes. If folks got one, I Straight bet up. you it still played. Yeah. Things Straight were up. better back then. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, I was in, me and my, my sister somehow convinced me. I don't know. I got totally hoodwinked into, like, switching bedrooms with my sister and ended up with, like, a pink bedroom. So I had this, like, killer sound system in this pink bedroom. But anyway, so my parents were, like, <clears throat> my mom was, like, I'll tell you what. If you make up like half the money will match it and it was in the middle of winter and there was a snowstorm outside and i really really wanted this stereo system so i got a bucket and all these cleaning supplies and i went down my block and i knocked on doors and i offered to wash people's cars and clean them inside and out for 20 bucks because there had been a snowstorm so everybody's car was covered in salt (laughs) and i fucking washed six cars that day and came back with 120 bucks and my parents drove me to circuit city and i bought that shit and they were just like you did what like they couldn't believe that uh that's i mean you know shows a little bit of concern that they didn't notice that i was gone for that long (laughs) but whatever that's another episode but yeah i came back with all the money and they took me to circuit city i think that was the first time that i connected the dots between uh what was available to me and then how to turn that into something else Mm-hmm. But it it was based it rooted in work. Like I worked. Mm-hmm. I didn't like hustle anybody. There was no really great <clears throat> profit margin or anything. I just worked. I mean, I went down in the fucking cold ass snow 
and like legit wash people's cars well. So you have the entrepreneur spirit, you but more so like not like I'm just trying to get money. I'm there's I have a goal and I'm gonna get to that goal no matter what. And I was like, I can wash cars. I can you so you did what that, what did you knew what how I to do. do. And my neighbors are probably like Fuck it, yeah. I mean, if some kid came to, like, the neighbor Kim came to my door and asked to wash my car, I would let him. Yeah. I mean, instead of having to go wait in line at the gas station. So that was your first entrepreneurial... Yeah, uh, that was the first, that's my first memory of that. But, I mean, I never really, uh, I don't know. I grew up in a household that did, like, a lot of parties and events, like, just that kind of, like, vibe. Um, uh, And so, like, that atmosphere was really normal. Mm -hmm. But I never realized... Uh, I didn't really know that I had the entrepreneurial spirit until one love asset month. So how did you know? What what did the universe tell you at that moment? I mean, I don't think it was really that. It was just like, you know, I, I, I got into real estate finance when I was really young because um, I moved out at 17 and I never went back home. And so I had to have jobs that could support me. Uh, and I really enjoyed the challenge of real estate finance. I was really good at it at a very young age. How did you? How tell us more about that? Because you're always talking about it, but I have no idea, like the story of how you got into that as a 17 year old. Like what happened? Well, I was 19 when I got my first job, so <clears throat> I left home at 17. I went to college. Um, I got accepted into college begrud- begrudgingly. I really didn't want to go. I just kind of wanted to get out of my parents' house. But uh, As many of us do. Where'd you go? <clears throat> George Mason University, which was a huge mistake because it was, like, way too close to home, and it's not a real college, especially in 1993. It was, like, 20,000 kids went there, and, like, 2,000 of them lived on campus. So it was the weirdest on-campus experience, and my roommate never showed up. And so I missed every single one of my classes, like, from Jump Street. So I had failed out before the semester was a month in I had already like I should have never gone you okay know? I should have never gone so like, <clears throat> you didn't graduate you went for a semester or two. yeah no I went for a semester and a month before finals and a week before the check was due I fucking dipped you know mm-hmm. and I got a job in um, Boston as a live-in nanny uh, and <clears throat> well I'm, I'm also certified there to wasn't... be a preschool teacher I have 500 classroom hours of special needs kids but so. there wasn't Craigslist I don't think at the time so how did you come <clears throat> across a nanny job it in was Boston? super crazy so I got the yellow pages oh my god because it was 1993 it was a whole different <laughs> dinosaur wow. time. I mean it was a great year for hip-hop though like we were killing it Dude, my whole high school and like early college experience was full of great amazing music okay that the was 89 91 92 93 stop but I digress. No, I got I looked up nanny agencies and I made some phone calls out of the yellow pages before I went up there and landed a couple interviews because I had the credentials to be a preschool teacher even at 18 and a month. So I graduated when I was in. Okay. So, yeah, I went up there and I got a job up there and uh I called my parents and I was like I failed out of George Mason. I'm sorry for wasting your money. I tried to tell you for the last six months. And, you know, I will no longer be a burden. And I never went back home. And so then you became a nanny. So I stayed in Boston. I was a nanny for six months. And then I came back. And then I got a job, again, as another living nanny. And then after that, I got a job um, in Tyson's Corner working at a real estate or mortgage broker uh, with a bunch of Persians. And it was just me and a whole group of Persians. And I was the receptionist 
Yeah. Um, you were the receptionist. I was the receptionist. Okay, because I was like, how do you go from nannying? Like, how do you make that, like, major career I mean, jump? So you started off yeah, at the entry level. At the entry level. Well, and I should also mention that I had my first spinal surgery at 19, and that definitely, like, knocked me down for quite a bit. So I had to, like, really reinvent myself. So I was willing to do whatever it took. And so mm-hmm. I got a job as a receptionist, and I was actually living in my car in the parking garage. Uh, and so I would work until 8 o'clock at night, and everybody would go home, and I would go out and sleep in the car. And then I would go in before everybody else and wash up and, you know, wash my face and shit, and then go into work. And so I did that for, I had that job for like a year or two. Um, but about two months into the job, because I was asking a lot of questions, they fired the loan processor and promoted me, and I closed every loan they had. They closed like four loans a month, and I closed 19, like my first month as a processor. Okay. And just crushed it. So from there, my real estate career, you know, took off because I fucking crushed it. Did they ever discover that you were sleeping? No. No. Sneaky Molly. I mean, Tyson's Corner is like a ghost town after a certain point in time. You know what I mean? Like, it was like all the way down in the cut. I know what you mean. I'm in an abandoned mall right now. Right. Nobody knows. Yeah, nobody knows. So how how long before you were able to get your own place you were crushing it then i assume yeah but they, they didn't pay me for crushing it in fact like the boss told me he would give me like a hundred dollars for every loan i closed and then he like tried to not pay me like it's like dude i just made you like 30 fucking thousand dollars and you're not trying to give me 1200 like fuck you you know yeah and that's kind of how that job ended was we being like fuck you not right then but shortly mm-hmm. after it's funny because to this like even like a couple years ago he was like hey you're coming back i'm like no man never motherfucker why would you think that like like that that industry is a lot like law with real estate agents i've I've worked with a real estate agent agent before and now it's just dawning on me after taking these random law classes you know that you you gotta get it when it happens yeah because after it has happened it's too late well, and I was in it. I was there at the birth of subprime lending. Oh, boy. I so was you was closing left it. and right. I got stories. <clears throat> I used to close 30 deals a month. So, like, my last job in the business was working for a company. I had the biggest office in the company. I had dreads. I would come in high as shit every day. I was living in Alexandria, and the job was in Maryland. And I would come in. I had dry erase boards all around me, just, like, downstairs. And I would, like... Closed 30 loans a month easily. I was making like six different people 30 grand a month and the company like 240 grand a month on average. Yeah, they, they definitely were supposed to break you off, but that they also. Didn't. They didn't. They paid me like 26 grand. A simple a piece year, of paper. A year. When you're the one that's closing it, like, oh, before I close this loan. Then they just fire you. But I mean, you I was also super young, living on my own, no family support, yeah. going through surgeries, dealing with shit, trying to survive. You Whole know what time? I mean? You're a boss now. We're so we're just. This is the real estate mogul years. I didn't even know about that. Yeah. Well, back. not a mogul. Mogul? I'm like, doesn't she really sound like, like a thirty closer. fucking loans a month? That's like. Uh, but but I was a processor. Dope, I was a processor. Okay, so you processed, but med. I crushed shit, it. You I crushed it. I used shit. to scan like the loan process docs and fucking type them in. And this is before people did that shit. That was next level. I would submit loan package. I would still have to copy three copies of them, hundreds of pieces. And I would overnight them, and I would, like, because I killed it. I would draw pictures of me jumping off of, like, cliffs and stick figures on, like, fax cover sheets to the underwriters or, like, tell them jokes as soon as they answered the phone. And, like, I made them all love me, and I made miracles happen all the time. You know what I mean? Like, saved the day, getting deals closed, 
getting certificate of occupancies from builders, getting Bank of America to give you a fucking deposit at Friday at 7 o'clock. I mean, I like, like, my boss would come in the office and be like, I don't know what you're doing, but, like, please don't stop and give me, like, the keys to his Jeep. And then, like, another loan officer would come in and give me, like, a gallon of whiskey. And they'd be like, we got you and your boyfriend a hotel room for the weekend at the beach. Like, go have fun. Because, I mean, I, you know, they sh I should have been like, fuck that, pay me. You know what I mean? But I was young and I was enjoying myself because I, you know, I enjoy yeah. that. I enjoy that, like, hustle, you know. Yeah. Mostly because I was dealing with families and people. So for me, I was helping the Smiths get into their house. I was helping, you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, I feel like this is a whole topic for another show because yeah. I'm actually very ignorant about how that whole the whole I'm ignorant about the whole real estate game. So you know, what were the problems that you were aware of or that really inspired you to pivot your life um and take your entrepreneurial spirit and skills? Well, it wasn't necessarily a pivot because I always did good things for people and I always connected with people the same way I, I mean, do now. Pivot career direction. It was just more um well, <laughs> I uh broke my neck in 2016. I was working a bartending job. Uh, on the weekends uh, and while I was working in the mortgage industry and uh, I broke my neck bartending I snapped a huge piece of vertebrae off in my uh, in my spine and my neck and I ended up uh, in the hospital and I had neck surgery at 31 uh, and then I uh, definitely had PTSD for about a year because it was a very unexpected thing I didn't you know I just literally wore it down from pouring drinks and shit and my neck snapped so Wait, um, what? That's crazy. Yeah, well, I was born with a rare shit, and my bones are hella weak, and so, like, you know, when you're bartending, you're, like, looking up a lot, and, like, you pick a lot of heavy, like, it's a lot of pressure on your neck, and, and if you have a strong neck, you won't realize it, but, like, I don't, and so a piece of vertebrae snapped off and moved. It was the most pain I've ever experienced in my life. I went to the ER, like, three times in a week, and then they finally admitted me and did surgery. The day before my 31st birthday. Did, did you have, you so you were bartending, did... I'm wondering, did you have health insurance at the time? Uh, yes, I did have health insurance through the mortgage job. I was paying for that. Um, and so, yeah, I had that surgery. And then I definitely had, like, PTSD. And I, like, kind of reconnected with my family a little bit. And my dad was like, you're going to bankrupt the whole family with your spine. You should get a regular job with insurance. Um, and I listened to him, you know, as we often, you know, internalize our parents or people who mean wells, like terrible things that they say. And so I got a job that I really didn't want as a receptionist in a real estate company because I could get insurance. And three weeks into the job, I was rear ended going to work and it, uh, loosened the, you know, it was like literally a year to the day of the surgery. And I, she hit me so hard that I hit the car in front of me and the car in front of it and the car in front of it. And then she, like, hit me again and I hit the car in front of me and the car in front of it. And uh, it totally fucked up all the previous surgery. So I had, uh, I went back to the same doctor and he, like, didn't listen to me for, like, three years. So I had three herniated discs in my neck for two and a half years and I went through all this therapy and I was, like, on meds, not taking any meds. Like, I went to the health food store. That's when I got hip to, like, probiotics and, like... Anything that's not a fucking pill, because I've never liked that shit. I've always hated it. And um, damn, yo. Yeah, and I, uh, I went and I got an MRI and I took it to my doctor and he was super pissed and he was like, "There's nothing wrong with you. This is how your life is gonna be. Just get used to it. I'm releasing you from my care." And I took the MRI to three other doctors and they were like, "Sit down. We need to operate immediately." And so I went with the doctor that I thought was the best one, and I had, that was the last neck surgery I had in 2009. 
Thank God. And so it was really that uh, period between 2006 and 2009 where mm. I uh, had to tackle the fact that I only got rear-ended because I was in a position because I listened to somebody who told me I would bankrupt my entire family, uh, which I hadn't seen since 17. So, you know, I realized don't listen to anybody else. Parents are not like, you know, we are the, you know, you are the captain of your own ship. Period. You know? And you should always do, like, what you know is best for yourself, like, no matter who else is telling you otherwise. And uh, it was after coming out. I mean, I, I was, you know, didn't want to live. Every day I would wake up, like, fuck, like, I can't believe I'm still here. Like, I was in so much fucking pain. I had three herniated discs in my neck for mm -hmm. two and a half years. I mean, it fucking spun me sideways, you know? Uh, and it was coming out of that that... Uh, like, I accidentally got roped into throwing this party because somebody set it up at Science Club and bailed, and it was I my DJ. Yeah, and that's how Dropping Science at Science started, and I just kept it going, and I, like, came out of this fog, you know, and that's when I really decided, like, you know, you can open up the newspaper or your phone and find, like, a hundred fucking things to be, like, legitimately upset about refugee children fucking injustice for black people. I mean like I don't even want to start because I'm like it'll overwhelm me again but like there's so many things tearing us apart daily and I felt this in 2009 you know and and uh, I just felt like we needed more things to bring people together and like music brings people together you know it's company tagline good music good people good times one love one love man you know one love one heart one destiny like mm -hmm. we are all one and that's what I believe one. You know, and that's what I've always believed. I listened to a lot of Bob Marley in those years throughout my whole life looking for guidance. And so it definitely resonated into like my moral code, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and that's when I decided to put it all in. And I mean, I definitely was in a fog 2009, 10, some of 11. I mean, all those surgeries, all that anesthesia, all that pain, all that like wanting to die every fucking day really kind of puts a <laughs> heavy cloud over you. Uh, but it was through connecting with my community, doing events, getting the love and support of the community for One Love and just like watching it blossom and grow and then coming more out of the fog and then taking all the things that I learned in real estate finance, which ultimately is just that anything is possible. That's what I learned in real estate finance. Anything is possible. Mm -hmm. That really is everything yeah. I learned in real estate finance. Yeah. Anything is possible. And so I applied that to One Love Massive and now here we are. So it's kind of a long story, but... Well, I want to take a moment just to thank you for sharing um, your personal experiences, uh, your traumas, and what you went through. Um, you know, part of the reason that I was excited to do this show in particular was so that we could have real conversations um, about what people really go through, what we're really going through and what we've learned through it and how we have got to this place, um, and how we can model, um, how to have difficult conversations about real things, real shit. Yeah. you know, mm -hmm. and like still be okay. Because yeah. a lot of people, I feel like, like there's people in my family that can't verbalize some of their pain, you know, and like being able to verbalize what we go through builds understanding most definitely and under having understanding creates room for love for patience yes. and allies for tolerance for allies exactly self-love for other people you know i'm very open about all of my shit because 
you know, people need to understand that, like, what glitters is not always gold, you know, and nobody has it easy. <clears throat> but mostly because we're all suffering. Nobody out here has it easy. Right. Everyone is suffering for their own reason. And maybe maybe it's a reason that you can't relate to or may, that doesn't affect you. But, like, everyone is suffering, man. Like, everyone has PTSD from this world. Everyone is insecure. Everyone, everyone is fucked up. And I feel like when you share those things more... You know what I mean? It makes it easier to, like, mm -hmm. show empathy towards each other. Because, like, dude, we're all the same, man. Like, we're, we're all one. And, right, and from right, from right. the struggle to the fucking victory, man, we are all one, you know? Like, yeah. we are not getting the same shakedown. But, like, at the core, in our souls, we are all one, you know what I mean? So I feel like, you know, sharing that information with people, it helps, you know? Like, it helps to um, strengthen other people because I think in this world we, we're taught to, to think that like everyone else has it easier somehow or like the other woman has more confidence about her body than I do or you know whatever we just always think it's like like we're the only ones feeling this struggle and it's like it's it's not like it's universal in, in every way um, it's just different experiences one you know? love one love <laughs> so thank you for asking because I appreciate the opportunity to be able to to yeah. tell in case anybody thinks I just, you know, got handed a whole bunch of money and started this company. <laughs> now they know. Um. Well, the question originally was who or what inspired you to become a business person? Pain. <laughs> so pain, <laughs> unadulterated pain. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> for you, it was pain. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to pain. And so for all of you who are in pain or have experienced pain and feel like that's holding you back um, or preventing you from moving forward, you know. Just start a business. Just start a business. It'll be okay. <laughs> oh my God, no, man. but for real, um, you know, humans are incredibly resilient and powerful. And so, uh, you know, just don't give up on yourself. And, um, you know, for myself, uh, oh, I'm sorry. And for Jay, it was a natural, uh, entrepreneurial spirit, um, seeing a community role model, like do her thing. And then, uh, being clear about what you love to do, but putting in the work of like learning the game of all the different positions, um, for myself, I uh, I was fortunate to be raised in a family where I had uh, women entrepreneur role models. My aunt and my grandmother um, were both entrepreneurs. Um, and I think my grandmother, um, in the long run, has been the biggest uh, influence on my life. But when I was little... Um, my aunt Debbie, I wanted to be like her and it wasn't because, uh, it, this sounds so shallow and aunt Debbie, <laughs> if you're watching, I'm so sorry. It wasn't cause like her personality was so cool or it was because like aunt Debbie was balling, yo, <laughs> like her life, like her house and the cars that her family drove and the camps that her kids went to. Um, th they were like living it up compared to what me and my single parent family and shout mama if you're listening I love you you did the best you could I love you so much thank you for everything <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know there was like a huge huge difference in the quality of life between what my aunt Debbie was doing and I knew and I'm sorry, Uncle Larry, if you're watching, but I knew it wasn't because of my Uncle Larry. I knew it was my Aunt Debbie. Like, she was 
the business woman. Like she ran that house. She ran the business and she started her um, government consulting firm like in the basement of her house. She used what she had. But like Jay Mills, she had started as a secretary um, at a company and like worked her way up in every single position until she became the president of ODS, Old Dominion Systems. Nice. And then she ran that for, I don't know, 15 years. And then they uh, closed and then she started her own and is, you know, I just always see her do that and her dream was you know to have a big house and be able to take care of the family and vacation all the time and you know and she's done that she's gotten every single thing that she wants out of life um but uh make no mistake about it the only thing i ever saw my aunt debbie do was work you know like i didn't i didn't she wasn't taking those vacations and right. stuff like that in the beginning. Like when I was a kid, she was always at work and her children, you know, they felt that they totally felt that, For you sure. know, they missed her. They needed the attention. Yeah. Um, but she was about building her business um, and she's incredibly successful. Um, but it was really my grandmother who was uh, in the long run, like I said before, the biggest influence on my life and she um she she was just very different um than my aunt debbie um in terms of how she ran her business it felt more like organic and natural like my grandmother she had a series of bed and breakfasts, and so again she was always working within the home um, but her talent was beautifying things and making people feel comfortable it wasn't like if it didn't feel like she was working all the time, it felt like she was partying and like hosting guests, you know, and just beautifying things. And she was always pointing out like the beauty of everything, you know, and I just liked that. And she was always stylish and fashionable. And I think what I learned from her was that if you're hospitable to people and you make people feel comfortable, they come back and they spend their money with you like again and again. And they tell other people right. um, to patronize your business or try you out. So my grandmother, you know, she didn't she didn't I don't think she had like a deep business plan. She didn't have committee meetings with a team of people. It was like her my mom, my uncle, um, and, uh, like us cleaning the businesses, you know, <laughs> and, uh, her praying on it, you know, that she would have business and just doing what she was good at, what she was passionate about. She just was, I felt like she was always lucky, you know, and that used to irk my mom. Like, she's always so lucky, you know, something always works out for her. Why can't that be for us? But I think it's because my grandmother just like no matter what good or bad happened, she just always did the output. She right, just, just always kept going. doing it no matter what happened and things would going. work out. She had that spirit, yeah. you know. I mean, I believe that I, that has a lot to do with uh, with one love, you know, for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, especially coming out of that that fog and like not knowing what was going on. Yeah. Uh, you know, like. Not like one love from 2009 to 2000, you know, 17. Mm -hmm. It's like a whole different, not a whole different company. The, the the baseline is still the same, but the city's changed so much. But you just you just keep you keep going. You just keep getting better at what you're doing, and then 
I hate to quote my dad, but you just got to stay in the moving forward program. And if you just keep yeah. working, like, sh- it's not luck. It's it's hard fucking work. You it's know hard what I mean? work. Sometimes yeah. you don't always have, you know, like the you don't you don't always necessarily need, you know, like a business plan or everything worked out. But you got to keep going right. forward with your dreams and you learn and then you document that. Yeah, I mean, you know? um, with with me and my family, one thing that I've always been taught is that it always takes work. And to the outside eye, it's always going to look like it's an overnight success. Mm-hmm. But they will never see how long you worked behind it. And um, while my mother is a doctor, my uncle is a musician. And um, he used to play in James Brown's band. Like that was one of his first oh, wow. gigs back in the day. Ow. He was one of the first black composers of a major symphony. He's been all over the world. He used to be married to Regina Bell this when is I was black little. History right here, and y'all. What, what, like what? Regina Bell sang at my parents' wedding, and I remember when what? Aladdin came out. I was like, Oh my God, that's my aunt Regina. That's so awesome. <laughs> I was so young, but. You know, a whole new world. You if had I the could, yo. connection that, that was all so the way much. around. That was it. I mean, that's dope. Shake, <laughs> shake. It is, but again, you know, all the work that mm-hmm. it took behind the scenes. And he was the one that talked about how, like, Luther Vandross was in the business for something like twenty-eight years, right? As a background singer mm-hmm. before he finally got his break. And to mm-hmm. the outside world, it seemed like he was just an overnight success. Mm-hmm. And with every successful person, it's always like that. It seems as if they just boop, popped up out of nowhere. Yeah. But what you don't know is that behind the scenes, there's decades of decades. work. Even if it's American Idol. And it seems like they just walked into a competition and Fantasia just randomly won. And then you go back and no, she didn't. Like she was just walking down the street no. and randomly yeah. wandered into the no. hustle. Her whole life. She was hustle. in the back mopping and they were like, you. Right. No. <laughs> and even if that was a person, you still don't know how much work went right. into the crafting of that art. Because hustle beats talent every day of the week 365 mm, mm, mm. hustle beats talent y'all yeah 24 so so i have this friend adoria Doucette, and adoria Doucette is the most magical human being i've ever met in my life she's from new orleans she was there when snoop was handing out demo tapes she was there when biggie got shot like the woman is like and she doesn't drink so she has this like bulletproof crazy descriptive memory she can paint the picture like, I know the whole scene of when Biggie got shot because she's described to me to, with such detail and accuracy that I felt like I was actually there. And I spent a lot of time with her in my, in my 20s, you know? And she greatly, greatly influenced who I am as a human. But I can't remember the point of this. What, what did you say right before that? <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. It's always taking a bunch of time. It's not an overnight success. Indeed. But right. I, don't, I don't remember what it I'll remember in like a minute. It's fine. Uh, Jay Mills gave me like seven ounces of DC as fuck. And I'm tongue tied. Yes. Adoria Doucette. She, you were talking I, about how she never drank anything. Like never. She was so straight. Never. Oh, I remember now. And so I spent a lot of time <laughs> with her in, the, in my early 20s or in my, my whole 20s. And she used to run the VIP at Platinum in DC Live. Oh, shit. And she would just drag me out and be like, Molly, this is new. Molly, this is whatever. Right. And so I met all these. Wait. 
Yeah. Snoop was a platinum. Oh, dude, Snoop, all those guys. I don't like, remember yeah. Snoop being a platinum. Girl. I was trying to be a platinum all the time. Girl. I don't remember Snoop Dogg. No, in the VIP. In the VIP. In no, the VIP. Wasn't in the VIP. Yeah. Definitely not. Outcast. Everybody you can think of. But anyway, the point of this story is I met a whole group of really famous people during that time period. And the one thing that they all had in common was not talent. But like dogged determination. Mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. If they were willing to work. Even Snoop, like he's arguably the most famous person in the world. You go to China, fucking anywhere, people know who he is, right? He that, was at my party this past Saturday. Was he? No, he was on TV. Okay, I had yeah. the GGN <laughs> network on the whole time. It was dope though. It was like he was there, like he was but just he, in the background. But he could be that's like that. Snoop is mad cool like that, dude. He's on broadcast, dude. That's the hardest working dude in that whole. Come on, man. One of our family members has a cardboard cutout of Snoop Dogg <laughs> in their garage like where they play cards and have parties and stuff it's pretty awesome dude he's actually a super <laughs> nice guy he's actually a really nice person he is legitimately I met him I have a whole story about that but we'll talk about that Snoop Dogg y'all uh, one day he'll be here on the Eminem show with us. He will actually. Please. I'm gonna hit him up for Snoop. I'm gonna hit him up. And be like, yeah. Please bring Snoop Dogg on the Eminem show. Oh my god, that would be crazy. It would be amazing. It'd There'd be, be even more weed smoke than there are even more is now. When just, he's in DC, we gonna make it happen. Yes, and it's we on are. a Tuesday. We might be able to get here. George Clinton up in here too. That hey. would be incredible, dude. Adoria, man, Adoria Doucet introduced me to a lot let of. Let me not get too excited. Let's see. Let's let's see. Just, I'm just trying to shout out Adoria Doucette We're supposed for being to be talking about being human. entrepreneurs, y'all. I mean, Adoria... I'm mean, getting all distracted about Snoop Dogg and George Being Clinton. an entrepreneur is crazy. Yeah. I have this line in a rap song where I say, I'm a boss, I don't call and I call off. And I think that's the hardest part about being a boss. <laughs> that when you're working for somebody, you can call in. Uh, I'm sick. Sorry. I don't feel like doing this shit. Uh, I got a cop. I'm uh, out. Mm. I, don't, uh. I don't think that that's easy. Shit. Depending on the job you have, at the end of the shit. day, you are life goes on. You are afraid to be fired and lose yeah. your job a lot of times. Like, shit is real. There's like, a difference between real. losing your job and losing your business. Yeah. Well, the weight. Your, uh, yeah losing your job you're like fuck yeah i hate that job anyway or like oh shit i gotta get another job i'm gonna reply oh maybe i'll get unemployment because they fired me it depends on the person it depends Depends on the person person if you're holding down a family and what kind of i'm not saying that losing a job is easy i'm i'm or that taking off work i'm just saying for the people who are listening it might be there are a lot of folks no but still you're like whoa whoa at the end of the day If you call off for your job, the work entrepreneur, I'm in your position at the at the end of the day, if you call (laughs) off from your job, the work is still going to happen. They're going to find somebody else to do your fucking job. Right. Now, there are some jobs and shout outs to anybody that has gone to a HBCU. Because I know you have gone to the office of something to try to get something handled. And the one person that can do your job (laughs) is at lunch. Is out for the day. Is unavailable. Every time. And this is also synonymous with DC government, which is also synonymous with the real government <laughs> in terms of getting things Speaking done. of which, so like I submitted a thing to the city services because the sidewalk is caving in because of their rat traffic on this building. So if you go like 10 feet down from our storefront, the sidewalk's caving in. Mm-hmm. I put in a request and they were like, we got you. We will fix this. The estimated completion date is September 2019. What? Sweet. Son. (laughs) 
There won't be a sidewalk by <laughs> 2019. We're going to be living in a rat tunnel. Um, so we were talking about uh, challenges of being an entrepreneur. Yes. I think you were talking about challenges. All of them. And how you got you got to call off important shit when you're a boss. If you can't come in, they, you, it's a whole different weight of planning a vacation or taking a sick break or even having lunch and sleeping (laughs) like it's a it's a it's a completely different weight when you are the dreamer and um i was talking to a friend of mine today about how you know entrepreneur life we go back and forth wistfully thinking of the days in which we just got a dependent paycheck Nah, fuck that. I don't ever want to go back because then they own your soul. They you gotta, do. And I laugh and I remember why I don't do it anymore. Yeah, nah. But you I do to go to the doctor. The whole th- idea that I know how much I'm getting paid in the day that I'm getting that money. I don't like it. It's cool. I don't like it because it's if, great for budgeting. If I'm getting a check on the same time all the time, I'm getting significantly underpaid for the work that I'm doing. That's what that means to me. I don't like it at all. That a hey, that's you. For me, in this the type of grind <laughs> that I have, depending on people to pay what they owe or to do what they said they're gonna do to buy what I hope they're gonna buy, you know, to do all these different things. It's just it's not as definite. I'm I miss the definite. I miss the the I'm gonna get X amount of money and I know that I can budget it. I don't all I have to do is be there and this is gonna come to me. So that's a challenge. How do you deal with that reality? How do you I, continue doing I the recall, work? I recall that this is my dream. And that I used to spend that time working for somebody else's dream. And I can either spend my life making somebody else's dreams come true. Or I can spend my life making my own dreams come true. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really what led to my um, creation of the green life. And good greenery consultants. And green maidens LLC. And my, those are my... Oh, and Mighty Jamaica signing on and contract to partnership with that company. But um, as an artist, if you're going to dream, if you're going to be a dreamer, you got to understand certain things. And I want to say a quick shout out to. um, Oh, my goodness. The alchemist. Hmm. Paulo Coelho. I may be saying his name. But it sounded good. So I'm cool. Paolo. Somebody (laughs) knows it for real. You do a little extra song. I'm on not Coelho. You've never read The Alchemist. No, if I you are a person who dreams with your eyes open, if you have ever dreamed at all, realize you are in the minority if you are a dreamer. Okay? If you dream, if you want something, if you have ideas of greater than what you see before your eyes, The Alchemist is the book for you it's very short it's under 200 pages long it might be under 150 pages long it is very very short so you recommend i recommend presidents have read read. if you google the alchemist you'll see a list of almost every celebrity you can name that has read 
this book it's like the prayer of jabez but the alchemist is the allegory of the walk that any dreamer will have upon their journey it starts off with the beginner's luck that you have when you first set apart set a path for your dream it's going to be easy at first it's going to be like oh shit yes the universe this is right i was right to quit my job i was right to do xyz because this happened and i met this person and da 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 like all that yes i knew this was right but immediately after that it's going to come back like how bad do you want it right brick wall brick wall how long can you wait for it mhm how hard will you work for it how many people are you not willing to listen to exactly how many people are you willing to tune out exactly all of everything how do you know which ones to tune out right some of them are good what? and some of them are that's not that's what i'm doing how with. to listen to your heart separating mm-hmm. your heart from your mind yeah. how to get them to listen to each other all of these things are happening in this short ass book Shit, about a little boy who had a dream and decided that he was going to listen to it mm-hmm. he had been having this dream he had been having this thought he had been having this recurring thing, and he finally was like i'm going to talk to somebody about this and that is the life of the dreamer such it is it will start in your mind it will haunt your dreams your thoughts and your everything it will permeate everything inside you until you have to tell somebody like yo i got this idea i got this i got this dream i got this thing you know and from that point on i mean again the alchemist i highly 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 recommend it's up there with the bible in terms of books that have changed my life slightly more accurate i'd like to add. i would definitely say that as well <laughs> without anyone thinking that i'm being blasphemous but because of its conciseness because it is so short and it still is so do long you have, do you have a copy? i have it on my phone oh so i can just download it we can download you it can phone? download it from oh, the internet and if you have i'm getting it right now book. yeah you can probably just speak into the i air. have it on my I phone i have show. read this book so many times <laughs> i know quotes like this book is crazy i mean i've but ha- heard of it certainly if we're going to talk about entrepreneurship then that is talking about living on your dreams Cause, because first thing you got to know and they say that in the book is that everybody doesn't dream everybody yeah. doesn't dream Everybody doesn't dream. They don't. Some people go to sleep. They nothing happens. They just wake up. Well, no, and I mean it. And dream is defined by a lot of things. Well, like, yeah. Like I know for me, like for one love. I mean, I, I traveled across the country going to see live music. I went to a lot of events. In the back of my mind, I was like, I feel like this could be done better. You know. So it wasn't always necessarily about a dream for me, but just like reco- that is a dream. Recognizing seeing or a vision. what is not here because invention. I mean, necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. You see a need, but other people don't see the need. Yeah. Well, that's Many mm-hmm. people accept the need. Exactly. They exactly. just like, that's the way it is. Few are the one who says, hey, why is this like this? Yeah. I, you know, and I tell people all the time, it's like, if you ever think about throwing a music festival, you're kind of fucked because like most people don't ever think about that. I you do. Know? But like, oh, like I'm talking about like a hundred thousand, like, you know what I'm saying? Like whatever it is you might think about, right? Not everyone, like you said, not everyone dreams. It's the same thing. Like. Plenty of people love fashion, would never think to open their own bit. Like, not everybody thinks the same way. And it's like being an artist. 
if you can sing or you have a talent, like you're low key kind of fucked because you're obligated to the universe to share that gift. And then you have to struggle between staying away out of your the way of your own ego and your own insecurity to deliver that gift. It's a blessing and a curse to be an artist. Like you're an artist. You're an alien, Jamie Mills. I am. I know you are. <laughs> I know you are. Then I love aliens. This is, <laughs> this is not a thing, you know. This is this is a, the utmost compliment I could ever give anyone. Is Thank that you're you. An alien. I'm not offended no, at all, and, and I know you are not because you are an alien. You are you are a yeah. magical fucking human being Thank that you. is not like anyone else I have ever met. And you have acknowledged your gift. You know what I'm saying? And you have made it work for you. But a lot of artists are tormented by that, and I feel for them. I can't sing. I know what my gift is, and I do that. And I'm tormented by my own gift, right? But as an artist, you have it worse because you have to, like, bare your soul and express yourself on stages with microphones. And that's got to be really fucking hard. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like as an artist, well, even in art, there, there are artists and there are entertainers. And in the rare instance where you find both, there you find the timeless icon. And let's hope they don't die too young. I know, right? But few, 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 few are both. Most are one or the other. And that's where we're at right now. You have artists. They're dope as fuck. They're talented as shit. But they don't have no brand. They don't have no photographer. They don't care about what people say. They don't promote themselves. They don't be tweeting like that. They don't even like social media. They don't do none of that shit. And then you have some whack motherfuckers right just kill who it. got t-shirts keychains posters stickers they got a squad they got 50 people that's gonna show up wherever the fuck they go they got videos they got they boot they got everything they they are here for that they don't care they'll buy the beat they'll pay for the producer they'll pay for this they'll pay for the feature they'll pay for the writer to right. make them dope they don't give a fuck yeah they're here for the light that's it they're like, I'll make the art happen. Fuck that shit. Yeah, because different <laughs> people are motivated by different things. That's what they you know, are. But I mean, art, art hurts. Like as an artist, like I've been writing since I was in the hurts. third grade. It was poetry. I remember the first time that I did my poetry. It was at Bar None. Shout out to Bar None, the sound yeah, poets. Bar Being none. eighteen, fucking one <laughs> light bulb on a string. It was right. so textbook, open mic, hot in brick walls in a basement sharing my poetry and Jabari Axum on the djembe hopping in to the cadence in my poetry that came from the beat of my heart and having a band come into that and accompany that and just show the I just never had heard I, I'll never forget how that felt yeah. taking something that I had just written in my feelings and having the music come and complete it yeah and i was a tomboy when i first started music i was jamila i wasn't even trying to rap i was like i'm a poetry chick like beats just happen to fuck with my rhymes (laughs) (laughs) and that was my thing like i just i just showed up at the spots and then um you know just let the just, band just, just rock with it me. out. It was a while till I started even thinking of hooks. It took a long time for me to come into the entertainment, to understand the brand, right. to give a fuck about people who were not a thought 
when I started writing because my heart was bleeding. Like, I don't write for nobody else. I write for me. So I know what that (laughs) is hard because art in and of itself to even happen does not give a fuck about nobody else. Whether it's drawing, poetry, painting, it comes from a very personal isolated space and i think you know on a tangent i don't know how long i'm talking but thinking about hip-hop and the entrepreneurship of that art and how so many artists also don't understand business and end up getting fucked over for their art thank you 99.99999999 actually actually there's like a there's a there is a ratio in there somewhere there are artists that don't know the business and therefore they get fucked and then there are artists who don't know the business and then fuck themselves because they act mad unprofessional from jump street and fuck up every opportunity and disrespect everyone that helps them Yep. So and it's all coming from a place of yep. ignorance and not yep. knowing, and I yep. dig that. But it is not all people being taken advantage of. Trust nope. me, it is you not are right. like a bunch of fucking <laughs> slaughtering of innocent lambs. It it is nope. a two way street. Yep, it is I a two way street. Really s- struck a chord here. Yeah, that's why I said I mean, I guess if you're going to talk about ownership in the art industry, which we both are in, yes, we got to talk about the business it's of real. music. It's from real. the artist's perspective. Yes. How do we sabotage ourselves? Well, let me let That's me real. let me ask you ladies a question cuz you know, I'm the facilitator here <laughs> trying to for those who are watching and enjoying this ride, hopefully you can still like, you know, gather some points of oh, What are you clear talking about? Wisdom they from the this. show. So what what I want to know is what? um what is it like, you know, like honestly it's it sounds kind of weird to me that you know an artist can have an artist mind and a business mind um not saying that it's like you're a living example but like how does that actually work you know like isn't that like left brain right brain because it is isn't that life it is very difficult it's probably why i'm not further like yo shout out to motherfucking pinky killer coin shout out to risa renee shout out to rather mc shout out to t's fever shout out to my girl empress i had to shout out the lady first and i could go ahead and talk about him sees but we don't even use that word so i won't are they all um these are all business entrepreneurs as well they're as all really great artists, artists. Yeah. that are amazing and they have great business yes. people around them around and them. i'm not saying that they're not good in business because clearly because they know how to choose good people who are in business that means they are smart to the business but i'm shouting them out because they are really diving into their art and i sometimes feel like that that may be the sacrifice that I've made in choosing to focus on the business. Like, I love how Pinky just wakes up Pinky. And every time you see her, she's Pinky. And how with these artists <laughs> that Pinky. dive into the entertainer, the Prince, the Michael Jackson, the Beyonce's, when you really, really, truly can dive into the artistry and the business, Man, you 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 got yourself some some serious, amazing. But here's the shit thing. right so there. So how do you balance that? That's on a human level because look, like no one has 
the right and left brain of their lives worked out, right? No one, so lots of people have jobs that are difficult and put them on the spot, but they don't end up with like people clapping at them and getting paid for that, right? Like everyone is on that fucking spectrum of like having to be two different people. Like, like not to sound like a Buzzfeed article because that shit isn't mad annoying. But you're about to. But like, to. I'm a fucking introvert too. If you took me to a place that I didn't know anybody, I'd be in the corner and then I'd dip. I would find a way. Like, I'm not the person every. Like, we are all constantly balancing. So whether you're an artist and a business person, or you are a um, someone's, uh, you know, CFO or working for somebody else and this, or whether you're a husband and an employee or a like everyone or a family member or a mother, all these things like, no, like that's the duality of life. Like it's never perfect for anyone with artists. It's just such a more raw expression of themselves. And it leads them so much more open because the average person isn't going to go through the McDonald's drive through or get an insurance quote. And then at the end, be like, you know, I really didn't like the way you did that. But like with artists, people feel compelled to be like, I didn't like your set or I didn't like that song or I did like that song. So it's a lot of like, public judging and you're really putting yourself out there but at the end of the day everyone is dealing with that duality of life and trying to be things that they're not comfortable being you know what i mean like you could be really good at business but suck at relationships on any level you could be a great mom but a terrible friend you know what i mean like that's that's the reality of life and i feel like while it's important to acknowledge that with artists it's also important to not dwell on that and use that as like an achilles heel because at the end of the day you know like you can be both you can be just knowledgeable enough about business to be okay because no matter what in your life you should never just go blindly into being like ah (laughs) you should always have some awareness of what's going on you should always whether it's in love or in business or anything. Well, well if I may pull out a gem of uh, what yeah. you just said there, um, there were many gems, but one in particular <laughs> yeah. for uh, as for young people, especially uh, who are aspiring entrepreneurs or you know want to have independence of the, your own life. Uh, you're gonna have to do things and learn things that are uncomfortable. Right. Mm-hmm. Everyone does. Yeah. And Indeed. you know, this is something it's a survival skill. This is yes, and this is something that um, I just I think is really really important, um, especially especially for young people right now. And I say this because I recently had um, you know my nephew, and he's 15, and you know he just. He's a millennial, and I love millennials, but, you know, he just doesn't, he he wants to be an entertainer. He wants to be a rapper or a football player, <laughs> do very ambitious things, but I want to support his dreams in doing that. I'm not going to be the person that tells him not to do it, but he doesn't like to do things that are uncomfortable or that are hard to, like, learn, you know? Yeah. And so I think it's just so critical, whether it's in uh, becoming the business owner or just in life in general, uh, you know, those of us who manifest our dreams are the people that are able to do and learn what's uncomfortable or overcome what's difficult. Um, Which essentially we're all doing every single day, right? Like we're Mm -hmm. all trying to 
Too bad. absorb this world on a mm-hmm. like global you know? level and be uncomfortable but still persevere and still be the best person that we can be. For yeah. me, it's I hate administration. I I mean, I don't like documenting receipts and uh Mm-hmm. You know, like entering things in a timely fashion and QuickBooks, you know, Nobody but does. I know it's like so critical and important to be able to make sound financial decisions um, to do those things, you know. So my advice to um, I think this is something that Jay, like you had brought up with some of the other artists you shout out with. If it's, you know, you got to learn those things, you got to at least learn them and be aware but if it's something that you're just like you know this is not where i shine then surround yourself with the people who are good at that and you know rely on them build out a team of uh of people um that you can that are happy helping you out and share your vision and and, uh and, and maybe not even necessarily a team but like the friends in your life or influences right like i did who, who knew because I, I i thought you guys knew each other when i like reached out to both of you you know about this well actually i think i posted and you had both responded but low-key i really just want to do the podcast with i you didn't anyway. know her then and i didn't realize that you guys didn't know each other and i think it's awesome and i super value like our time together every week and i always feel more grounded and better uh about life in general it really really helps so yeah take take you know i love you too although yes i love us but this isn't like running a business together necessarily i'm talking about for like entrepreneurs and stuff and i don't know you, you know just dismiss I, our friendship <laughs> she like, did. That She's like, that's all cool but i no, didn't i recognized it i recognized it and then i pivoted i'm sorry i recognize i recognize well i mean because it just again. it she made me think you know like sometimes doing business with friends is good other times it it has is not so good but you know i'm just saying like going out there and forging new like create create the universe you want to live in you know what i mean create the universe you want to live in i mean business with friends is like fucking a friend in fact business and fucking is just the same really can you expand (laughs) this this analogy is not my own it was given to me by one of my most influential business mentors. And I don't want to do him injustice by, by saying it wrong. But. Because when he told me it, he was like, this is some priceless game I'm giving to you. So okay, well. <laughs> so all I'm going to say is that. Paraphrase think for of, us. But think about it like that. If you thought about business like fucking. And maybe if you thought about fucking like business. Whoa now. Yeah. I just don't Whoa. I'm not there. I'm oh, not there. We just there. got deep right there. Maybe we should be there because it's the same thing. I'm not there. I'm it's with the it. Same Teach me J Mills. I don't thing. get it. Teach me J Mills. Does anyone else not get it? <laughs> oh my gosh. Don't look Who at the boys. Get they get it. Who, people get it. You guys get it. <laughs> I don't. My Business mind is, is like, like the game is to no, be sold so and never you ever just told. Blew my mind, Jamie, per usual. Per I'll, usual. I'm gonna keep it on the other side of the allegory because that would be a different conversation <laughs> than the flip side, which is how business is like fucking. But you I guys, think I'm like a really literal person. If I can say like, how fucking is like business, the reason why fucking is like business because first of all, fucking is never frivolous. How no. about that? 
You want to try and play around and act like the fucking you doing ain't going to have no consequences. You don't know who you fucking with. You ain't do your research. Hmm. You fuck with somebody and you don't know who they are. Business wise. Or even fucking wise. Like it's the same fucking thing. It's your body. Mm-hmm. It's your life. It's your house. It's Liability. your car. It's these things. You fuck with the wrong person. Next thing you know, you got somebody fucking with you. Or you might got some shit you didn't even know because you was fucking with a dirty motherfucker. Now you got some shit that you got to deal with on your own time, on your own thing. You're going to find out on your own. They, 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 did they tell you? But if you did your fucking research. There you have it. Oh, man. Before you decided to fuck them. It's just like business. Boom. Then maybe you would know what they were about. Maybe you would know who they were dealing with. You maybe you would know about their past dealings. Maybe you would even know if they were clean, if they had any shit going on. They got that monkey on their back. I guess I mean this all makes really really clear sense yeah before I had thought more of it as like (laughs) more of a marriage but I ha that's the type of relationship you can have once you realize who you fucking with right maybe it's a hoe well maybe you realize after you do your research well sometimes there's no way i can forever engage myself with this entity exactly but what i will do because hoes are fun hoes have their place if you want to you can fuck with a hoe you can be like you know what bitch i'm about to have fun with you tonight (laughs) i'm about to yeah use you because you be real known in these streets or whatever you a little hot junk you know what i'm saying i'm gonna fuck with you (laughs) i don't know about that i'm gonna fuck with you for this little junk junk right here you gonna get me a little hot in the streets but i can't fucking wife you bitch because you're too hot oh my god i don't know who you be fucking with oh shit hey hoes have their place that's all i'm saying i love how the blonde just brings (laughs) all the sass (laughs) blondes have more fun the right you know this is this, this is business, but this is fucking. But no, fucking is business. It's true, but this is this is actually something I was thinking about the other day. Like <laughs> the use of the word hoe and bitch and queen and like where do I stand on the spectrum? You know, because I in my mind in my heart, like I want every woman to be a queen. They're not. I really do. <laughs> They're not. I really do. I try to. I'm like every woman. Every woman were. has dignity. Yes, they do. They do. But yeah, then sometimes some bitch have no cooth. Sometimes <laughs> they coofless. Sometimes it's hard to defend, you know. They coofless. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price? Uh, is far above rubies. Is one of my favorite passages. Favorite the passages Bible. in the Bible, because that that right there passage. lays out a couple things. You know, who can find a virtuous woman? Starts off saying that every motherfucker can't find her. So who first of all who's even looking for? Who among you can even find a virtue a virtuous woman? That's the first declaration right there that as a good woman you gotta understand. One, everybody ain't looking for you. Okay. So then for her price is far above rubies. They don't even set a price on her because she's priceless. That just lets you know that she's worth more than however much you have. 
So basically in the Bible it's saying there's a few virtuous queens and everyone else is a hoe. It says beware of the immoral woman, but it tells you that more time and time again. Like we've talked about this on a whole other thing. Oh my yeah. gosh. I'm not even trying to get that more. No, this is another right show now. talk. Like OMG Women are goddesses. Do you have a good witch or a bad witch? Yeah, yeah. this is another show topic. <laughs> Queen 50, versus 50. hoes. Understand like, what is it all that it is two different things. Because how would you even know this. a good one if you have never seen a bad one that's what happens with men they will have a good one and dog her ass the fuck out because they don't even know what they got then they be like bad bitch bad bitch fuck up bitch bad bitch fuck trifle bitch oh shit damn i had a good one and she was real good she ain't never they try and call her but you done fucked her up i just feel so now she bad all of this it's horrible. Just, You're like, married. Why, why would you feel whatever you already? Because I'm in solidarity fucking. with women. You're in married. General. You're not in solidarity with women. Well, once you yeah, join the married touch crew, my husband. exactly. Bitches. But you have a husband. But I'm saying, <laughs> and you have amazing. Purple there are those with husbands, and ahead. there are those without. But <laughs> we need like to talk the about this we binomial nomenclature well, among women. Ooh, we come in breeze. Mills breaking it all the way down. It's a fact. It's a horrible fact. Like men are c- complexly simple. Women are simply complex. Ooh, it's like damn. cats and fucking dogs. And if you've had a dog, you know you could train a dog. If you had a cat, you know you better get a good cat. Because if you get a wild cat, you just better get another cat. Because <laughs> there's no training a cat. That is true. You better hope you got a good breed. Yeah. Well, I, nice. feel confl- I feel conflicted <laughs> about these analogies. But, you know, we're going to talk about this yes. another day. What we're going to do uh, right now. How do we even get here? I don't know. It's, I'm like, I got to bring it back. I got to bring it back for us. So, That's you know, <laughs> we've, we've had a lot of wisdom nuggets here today. If you could just pull yes. them out of the magic bushel train ride all around i don't even know where we're at right now outer space we got got here though we did have some nuggets though women women did have some nuggets all women aren't good no no that is not don't dream i mean those are nuggets but those are not the wisdom (laughs) nuggets that i wanted to bring out so for real for real wisdom nuggets okay wisdom nuggets yes entrepreneurial spirit you can have it at any age anytime don't ever let anyone tell you you're too young or old to get your entrepreneurial hustle on wisdom nugget number wait one. hold on one a be really comfortable with failure yes b wisdom nugget number two as Molly Rulin said, be comfortable with failure. Not everything is going to be easy. Never. You got to do uncomfortable tasks and learn new uncomfortable things. You're not going to be good at everything off the bat. And you're going to feel bad about yourself, but you're going to keep going. And that's wisdom nugget number three is yeah. to keep going. Yep. Keep doing the output. Keep working. Keep learning all the different positions that go into the leadership Ooh. of your future as Jay Mills. Leadership of your future. You know what I'm saying? Like that was a serious wisdom nugget. <laughs> Learn all the different aspects of what you're trying to run one day for real what was another wisdom nugget number three number four or five that we're on not all women four a four a (laughs) four a this one is really important folks four a fuck it 
Four A is now number five. This yes. is serious. Executive decision making. Executive decision. This is serious, you guys. I'm serious. In your life, you're gonna go through some good shit and some real bad shit. Yes. And when you go through the real bad shit, you got to keep moving forward. Yes. Yes. You have to know that there is another side of that. Word to the Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. And you have to keep going. We had uh, we had an emotional moment here with Molly telling us about what she went through with all of her surgeries back to back to back. And she 